Hey, this is Bob and the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point, and brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life, get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck, for Christ's sake. Now Elijah's telling me that, that my headphones are bad. I've had the same headphones for seven fucking years. <laughs> How can they be not good? They're full of earwax. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I'm just trying to not die today. Yeah, me too. I, <laughs> I said it last podcast. I keep, I got, you know, I keep feeling my right side like, ah, oh, geez, do I have liver cancer? Oh, geez. And I, and Mike's dead, so I can't ask him, like, what were the symptoms of how he found out? <laughs> oh, you know, they've got these things called doctors. And when no, you can't see them. I don't have health insurance. There's no oh, yeah. way of seeing doctors. Yeah. How do you know? I want the people that had it to tell me, was it like a, did you feel an ache in your side? Or was it like, you know, somebody, somebody text messaged me, how do you know whether you have liver cancer or not? Yeah, oh my I just, God. was just doing the same thing about, with heart attacks. What are the signs? Before you have that massive heart attack, what are the signs? I asked my buddy Daryl because he's a nurse. What did he say? The guy, and he says, he goes, oh, there's a lot of signs. And I said, that's not really helpful. I don't know what I'm looking for so that we can avoid that. Because to just be trucking along and then it goes, fa-fump, with all the meth, with all the cocaine, with all the opiates, with all the vodka, I had to have done damage. Well, we all have done damage, but but you never know. Like your time is up sometimes, I think. But but uh, but yeah, Mike's death is like I said. It's like like I don't know. It's just so profound. Like I'm kind of thinking about what to do. Like whether to live in Claremont anymore. It's just it's just shaking up my life. Like I don't even know what I don't even know which way is up. And I'm sure it's this death of him because I think about it a lot. And I realized that I only have the guest house on my property because Mike wanted to have a studio there and we were going to make, we were going to do the, we did do the podcast there, Chuck. Remember for years, you had to drive here in rush hour traffic because Mike Mart was too technically uh, intimidated to figure out how to do it like this. (laughs) Yeah. And then, and then then we were going to record and he set up a 24 track recording studio. Um, and we never record it. That's, that's the story of Mike. Yeah. He set it all up, drilled holes in the wall. This is going to be this. This is going to be that. We're going to do this. We're going to get Flea out here. Da, da, da. And we never did anything, but it was all set up for years. It has its <laughs> own It has its own Facebook page, the Forest House <laughs> Studios. Does it really? <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, I, found it. It. <laughs> no, I remember it. There was a big deal because he was he was running running shit into the ground, running like Yeah, he drilled holes bar. in the wall. They're still there in the guest house. I don't know what I'm going to say when I move out. You have to like put a it. plaque on that thing. You had to plaque it with Mike. And that, that guest right there is the magnificent Iris Barry, who's never been on the podcast, but has been talked about on the podcast many a time. She is the reason why there is a movie called Bob and the Monster. She is one of my oldest friends. Her and Mike. I mean, I was friends with you guys before I was friends with Lee and Anthony. Like, this is like, I don't want yeah. to give away your age, Iris, but this is like 1982. <laughs> At least. <laughs> she was 12. At least. Yeah. Nine. Nine. <laughs> God, that she was, was so long ago. That's not even good anymore. <laughs> but, but, you know, and that's another thing about Mike, though I 
had closer friendships for periods of time, and I'm always associated with Lee and Anthony. Mike was my longest musician friend. Yeah. I met him with you at Disgraceland in probably 1982, 83. I was scared of him. I didn't like... So a lot of times when I would go over to your house, Iris, I yeah. would kind of look in the window to make sure Mike and Steve-O weren't there. <laughs> you know what? Smart. Smart. Because they were scary, right? They were, and they were scary at 8 in the morning. They were scary at 8 at night. They were scary at 2 in the <laughs> afternoon. There was no time of the day where Mike hours. and Steve-O were not scary. <laughs> they were scary 24 hours. Yeah, they were. <laughs> and you were there that infamous day when I tell when they started shooting in the house. And I ran down the hall and went out the back window. You had the back bedroom. I went yeah. out your back window. Yeah. But what, was that the same day? Do you remember when Wally next door, the gyp? Can I say gypsy? I'm sorry. Yeah. I may be political. <laughs> you may get canceled. Right? <laughs> and he was saying, remember he said he brought the gun and he said, let's play Russian roulette. And yeah, I remember that. You. I I think I was up for it. <laughs> uh, he handed it to you. And then I don't know, like, I think you 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 spun the chamber and and you pulled the trigger and luckily we're still here right? <laughs> oh wow you, wow. you want chuck oh. you don't want to be wimpy when somebody gives you a challenge you don't want to uh, when you're 21 years old you don't want to back down from a dare yeah, come but on they, they play oh, but no but this is, the, this is the important thing he showed you first bob and you told me he goes iris he put the gun to his head but he, he did held no, but he held it behind his head. <laughs> you were the only one that could see that. Everyone else thought he was. <laughs> yeah. And then he handed it to you. Yeah. And that place is now, I, I went by there I, I for some reason. And that place is like a private school now. That language. whole compound. The His place, school. your place. Yeah. It's, it's a like a weird French private school or some weird Thing. They let you inside. I went in. Did they know what goes on? What went yeah, on in there? They knew. We they let us <laughs> in, and they they knew. They told us we can come back and film. But it looks exactly the same. Yeah, it does look That's, the same. There would be that we could have never done any amount of cleaning to make it look back. And who really lived at Disgraceland? That was the infamous punk rock house. Walkable to the mask, walkable to the cafe, walkable to the lingerie. Uh, Which club is closer? I guess the mask was closer, uh, but then lingerie yeah. is only a block away. Yeah, this, it might be a tie between the mask and the lingerie. Yeah, good, good place for bartenders to live, right? You could walk to work. Yeah, you walk <laughs> home at five in the morning from the zero. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, and that was close, that too, job. and it was on Gower, yeah. Gower, Vine, Coanga. Uh, Wilcox and Hollywood, it moved a lot. But yeah. Yeah. But Pogna's still kicking. That's one interesting thing. Yeah. I didn't recognize him. He looked well, like. Well, he's, he's gone oh. and he's uh, created a new persona for himself. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? John Pogna was the owner of the Zero One Gallery, which I do believe he was an art dealer. He did care about art and he kind of. A lot of cool artists came through there, like Ram LZ and Bob Zorn. Bob Zorn, is that his name? Bob Zoll, George Andine, Robert Williams, Jules. Yeah, Robert Williams. Eddie Bone, all of them, before anyone knew who they were. Yeah. And so, so it was an art gallery, but then on Friday and Saturday night, uh, it was an after-hours club from like 1 in the morning till 5 in the morning. When and it you took got, whatever, we ran out of stuff. Yeah. 
I think it was ten dollars. Was how or much was the, it to no, get in? I never paid to get in, but it was five dollars to get $5 in. Five dollars to get in all the, the beer you can drink. That's yeah. a good deal. Five dollar yeah. open bar. Wow. Well, that's and, how we uh, got it. We weren't selling it. It was a donation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the to the art gallery. And and every musician, you know, in Los Angeles went through there. I had some, you know, and that was the time that I say just will never exist. That time from like 83 to 93 that 10 years such an interesting time to be alive because there was though there was i guess genres in music but there was not there was not these walls between people right so you'd have the guns and roses guys there and you'd have the minutemen guys there and you'd have um david lee roth there and niles rogers and new right. order and, and just everybody was there sorry built a Bill Gazzari and uh, <laughs> and you had this place where everybody just had fun and liked you know liked each other and whatever it was we it was a strange interesting time and Anthony and I talk about it a lot like how open it was and how everything now is defined by genre and age and and politic and this and oh. that and this and you can't like something that you know like I like this kid Morgan Wallen this country guy. I, I get called a trumper just for liking a musician. Whoa. It's like, you know what I mean? It's just uh, like, what? You know, you kind of <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know that he's a trumper. I know he said something racist and Oh, that makes you me know. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? Bob, think about it. There was no cameras at the zero. No one had there was no clocks. There was no inner we didn't have an internet. We were completely there was no phones. There was, there was no, no phones. phones. We were totally in the moment. And that will never exist again. That. That's true. And That's you had to go places to see if somebody was there, Chuck. Imagine oh, that. You'd have to go somewhere. See, I thought I thought I had been to the uh, A zero, but I I don't remember it being in a storefront. It was like it was a back alley type entrance. Was it off Melrose? It might might have yeah, been. Melrose, Melrose. Like, that's that uh, Melrose. The Melrose one. I think that was the final resting spot. The Melrose. The yeah. So they had Top Jimmy's memorial there. Speaking of Mike yeah. Mart's memorial, and I watched Carlos Guitarlos and a few of Jimmy's friends snort up a little bit of his ashes. Oh, oh my God! <laughs> what? <Yeah>. Oh. <laughs> Might have mixed it in with a little bit of cocaine and snorted a little bit of Top Jimmy. <laughs> zero. Oh Wait, did they offer you any? No, I was sober by then. Yeah, but can you, I mean, are you really going out? Ashes aren't drugs. Ashes aren't drugs. I was meeting and say I snorted my buddy. I don't think you'd have to pick up a newcomer. <laughs> Do I need to start my time over? Yeah, right. No, oh my God. I snorted. Yeah, you know that there was some Jack yeah, Daniels you, in that. Yeah, in that, you know, in yeah. That, if you snorted Todd, maybe you'd have to start your time over. <laughs> and that, and it's funny, you worked at the Zero and, and the Cafe and Millie's and, and Rodgie's. You just you just love working, or do you no, just need I, to well, survive? That's thing called paying your bills. <laughs> you know, she had a lot of people to take care of, like Mike and Steve. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. That that uh, you know, I had a great conversation with uh, Joe, the drummer of of um, Vandals, about when Mike died, and when when they kicked Steve-O out of Vandals. Oh. 
Joe got a lot of shit from the punk rock brigade down there. And Mike stood up for him at, over and over again and said, listen, I'm Steve-O's best friend. I would have kicked him out of my band if he was in it. Yeah. Yeah. People even so, kind of mentioned that. <laughs> but, it, you know, that Joe and I were talking the other day. You have a lifetime to write your first album. And so sometimes this people hit on a masterpiece, like a lot of times, like Counting Crows and Nirvana or, or uh, Guns N' Roses and, and the Vandals' first album, EP. Every song is a masterpiece. Yeah. And I don't know that Steve so should get all that credit. I don't know. Well, but, Steve brought something to it. Are you talking about When in Rome, Do As the Vandals Do? Yeah, the one that's got one to be a cowboy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Steve, yeah. he brought. A, I mean, he brought a lot of the personality to that record. But can you imagine being in a band with that guy? No, no, no. <laughs> but I loved him. I mean, I, I have, I have. The, okay, can I tell a Steve and Mike Mart story? It's pretty. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so Steve, when he would come to Disgraceland, he'd either live at Disgraceland or at Smitty's house. And when he came to Disgraceland, he'd sleep in my bed. I mean, we were just buddies, you know, but he he didn't want it. There was no couch sometimes. So he'd sleep in my bed and we'd watch whatever the Three Stooges told all hours. And one day I get a phone call from him and he's at Smitty's house and he goes, I have some bad news. And I go, what? and he goes, I have crabs. And I was like, <laughs> and so I had to walk out. Me and Mark Rude were in my room and we're going, okay, we got to go tell Mike Mart, Smog, Vomit, Texacala, Pleasant Game, and Laura Bennett that they might have um, crabs. Oh, oh, and I just thought I'd come down with hepatitis. So I had to walk down in the living room and tell them, you guys, we might have crabs and even worse. Crabs in the entire house? In the entire house? Well, the crabs or the hepatitis? <laughs> <laughs> the crabs, do they travel? I don't know. Yeah, I, crabs I travel. Yeah. But yeah. so I, we, so it was, I didn't know what was going to be worse. The crabs tell them about crabs or hepatitis. So I go in the living room, like, hey, you guys, I got some bad news. Steve O called, he's got crabs. So we probably all have crabs. And um, I might have hepatitis. And they all go running for the door. And then I was like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, we're going to the liquor store. It might be our last chance to drink ever. Doctor had internet. They'd have known that that's not the way yeah. any of that works. <laughs> right. Exactly. In my, in my adult life, I was a drug counselor and um, the great Steven Adler, who was around at this time too, says to, he's telling me a story when we're when he was in rehab with me one of the 20 times he was in with me and he goes bob remember this and then and then i got crabs remember crabs and then he just stops with this childlike wonder that he and so many of my musician friends have and which mike mart had at that time in the 80s also this kind of disconnect from adulthood and this childlike wonder and he said whatever happened to crabs you never hear about it anymore <laughs> That's true. That That's was a true. big album. How did it go it. away? It went away, Chuck. It's we gone. We ironed all our underwear. We ironed all our boxers <laughs> and shorts, and they went away. Because that Evolution. was good, That's what we were told, is you got to iron everything. That's what got iron. rid of Anyways, yeah, there was yeah, medicine. You, there was medicine you took, too. And I think I've told well, the story before. I, I got some on. I managed to avoid it in L.A., and somehow I got it on the road. So it was probably in the tour bus. And we were in New Orleans and we're staying at this like cool, like 
I don't know, New Orleans, like group of motel buildings that surrounded the swimming pool. And I always room with Rob Graves because he was kind of, he was the only one patient enough to room with me, I think. And so he was in the bathroom, obviously, for long periods of time, Chuck. Sometimes I would go over mm. to Chris Sanson's room to go to the bathroom because Rob was in the bathroom a lot. So I put the crab medicine on. Rob goes in the bathroom. As he's going in the bathroom, I go, you know, in 15 minutes, I have to be in there to take a shower to get this stuff off. Mm. And he goes, yeah, okay. And, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> that was a pretty spot on Rob Gray's imitation. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I, you know, the time I forget and I'm watching TV and then I forget like, oh shit. And it's starting to burn. So I knocking on the door, like Rob, I need to get in there and take a shower. And he's no response. Now, I'm pounding on the door, like Rob, open the bat, open. I gotta get, I gotta get in there. I gotta get in there, and no response. Now, I'm self-concerned at this point, like most active addicts are. There was a possibility that he was dead in there, Iris. Yep. But that wasn't my priority. My priority <laughs> Your balls was on I fire. Ah, was so I go and I go down the hallway, and I don't know where everyone's rooms are. And I knock on a door and some woman answers. I said, oh, is Chris here? And like, I know I'm lost in this hallway of fucking weird New Orleans 60s motel. I don't know where anybody else is. And I lock myself out of our room. No! <laughs> yeah. So then, but I'm a, you know me, I'm a bright fellow. I'm a, I, I, I can figure shit out. I look outside and I see the swimming pool. I just go running to the swimming pool. <laughs> took my shirt off, <laughs> jumped in the swimming pool. Somehow, the whatever they put in the crab medicine and the chlorine in a swimming pool is a bad combo. Uh -oh. As soon as I land in the water, I'm like trying to wash it out on, inside my pants, right? And then it's like, oh my God, and it's scalding, burning. And then I get out, then I run over to garden hose and put it down my pants. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and then... And then I just like, I had like burn marks all on my legs and private area. And then I go back to our, finally find our room because I'm so drunk, I forgot which room was ours also. It's like an anonymous <laughs> motel complex. So I finally, and I'm knocking, knocking, knocking. Finally, Rob comes to the door and I said, dude, I need to get in there. I burned myself and I took my pants off and I was like laying in the bed like, ah, oh, fuck, I need ice. And, um, and then I realized, like, he, he kind of realized, like, you mean you were knocking on the door and you didn't try to kick it down? Like, what if I was dead? Oh, shit. And I was like, well, I mean, often you just sleep in there. So. <laughs> 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 yeah, you, know, you always pop back up. Yeah. <laughs> but, I'm shaking my head those, are, those of you at home. I'm shaking my head <laughs> in disgust. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're just living amongst the chaos and just one more chaotic life colliding into the other one. And mm -hmm. that's what was that era. It's like, Another you know, and who was functioning and who was not functioning and who could go to work or who could ha make a record or who could and who couldn't. Right. And it was always the, the, the thought was, well, Mike and Steve-O and Top Jimmy are just way more fucked up than the rest of us. I don't think so. I think no, I was like equally fucked up, but I could also like, I could also do other things and they didn't seem interested in doing other things. Well, no, that's but, a story yeah. that where Mike, I was getting ready for the zero and Mike was doing 
something in the bathroom. We know what that was. And he was supposed to save me some. And he came out and he goes, I'm sorry, I, I did it all. <laughs> and he, then he goes down, he collapses. And I'm, me and him are the only ones home. And there's a cab outside. So I make the cab driver drag, carry him into the cab with me because I wasn't going to leave him. And I, I didn't, we didn't call the cops then, by the way. No, by the way. Everybody got arrested. So I took him with me to the zero and made everyone at the zero revive him. Well, I, <laughs> Keep an I, eye on him. Swear to God, that really Keep happened. An eye on him. Now, yeah, that would not happen now. And so th- today, or I don't know, Devin, Mike's wife, found the finally the cassette tape I'm talking about of all these songs Mike wrote in the 80s. Oh, and exactly. when you look at we yeah. it, that, those are the songs. Those are the songs. I remember them. They I remember when they were written in what order, right? So so Four of those songs ended up years later, maybe 10 years later, being on the Low and Sweet Orchestra record. Now I Won't Fix a Broken no. Heart, Shoes Are Dirtier Than Mine. Um, sometimes the Truth Is All You Get. Right. But all those weren't my favorite ones. All the ones that are on the Low and Sweet, except for Take a Long Look, those aren't my favorites. My favorites are like Sunday Song. Um, why do they put, why do they call Sunday a holy day? Anyway, Sunday's always been hell to me. Yeah. And Disgraceland, Sunday was really mind-fucking because you're in the parking lot of a Catholic church. Yeah. And yeah. for us Catholic boys, like I'd be there and I'd get, come to like whatever time, 10 in the morning, and you're I'm walking back home to Lillianda and just like, Church bell Fuck, and all the Catholic people are there and they're looking at you like you're just a troll scumbag and you know, and all the nice Catholic people dressed up going to church with their children. How did you deal with it? you were right in the parking well, lot of the Catholic church? Yeah, Bob, we were sandwiched between the church and an elementary school. Marilyn Monroe's elementary school, by the yeah, way. Yeah, and why do we didn't go to jail? Because we were dangerously Oh right, oh right. With drugs yeah, you, and alcohol. You would go yeah, you that go would, to prison would, for within a five fifty feet of a school. And you had Mike <laughs> Clam out, Mike, you know, with Clam in the wheelchair, wheeling him into the middle of the street when cars came. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a secret oh, that was crazy. Wait, wait what? <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that, Bob? The it wheel- was just something fun to do. Like Mike yeah. came up with fun things to do. Let's put Clam in the middle of the street, see if anybody stops. They stopped. Of course they stopped. <laughs> yeah. It was pastime. So people, I mean, everybody knew that house was insane. The neighbors just were like, you know, they'd come, they'd knock on the door at four in the morning and go, what's going on? And Pleasant would be like, oh, Iris's boyfriend just joined the Navy. They're like, oh, okay, just keep it down. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, Here's the thing about that. And Lollyander, where me and Flynn Anthony live. And Smog lived at that Montecito building oh, yeah. at the top. Yeah, the and yeah. The the thing about it, why we never really got in trouble, I figured it out years later. A, we weren't technically drug dealers because we never had enough drugs or organization to deal drugs. So mostly we're just drug takers. And we were so poor, we didn't have enough drugs to really be busted for. Right. I mean, me and Anthony got harassed a lot by police and on Hollywood Boulevard over and over again. And we never, we just, they knew we were on drugs and they knew 
we had just taken drugs, but we didn't have any drugs on us because we couldn't afford to have drugs on us. We just did the drugs. Yeah. Just buy. It was like Mayberry then, too. We also knew the police. Like, I'll never forget, we were in the party in the Hollywood Hills after the zero, and Steve-O's got the the Rolling Stones full blast, and he's doing his, his lip-syncing and dancing like Mick Jagger. Like, and the house is all glass. So the police knock on the door, because one of the neighbors called, and I open the door, and everyone's behind me, and the cops are like, Iris, what are you doing here? Like, you need to lower the music. There's somebody singing really loud. I go, oh, that's Steve. Oh, he's lip singing. But, like, they knew us. Like, <laughs> the knew our name. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Iris, you're going to have to take this down a notch. Right? Yeah, take it down. You in. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't. We, what you're describing is an innocent time, even though there was intravenous drug use going on, even though there was addiction, and almost every person we're mentioning. And. Right. And kind of crazy behavior. It was still, it was kind of like, a, it was a different era. I, I always say, because I deal with addicts now, we what? wanted to have fun and push the envelope or live out some sort of fantasy of who we thought we were. But it was all very positive, even yeah. though it's a negative thing you're doing, getting drunk and getting you high. Were we, were, we were like, we would just have fun. And wanted to have more fun. And the next night was going to do something other, other kind of crazy fun. And nowadays, kids don't take drugs to have fun. They take drugs to numb out the pain of existence. Yeah. That's sad. And, and, you know, and then, and then on top of that, Chuck, and you're the psychologist here, though I'm, I'm friendly with psychologists. Uh, <laughs> uh, the childhood trauma that we had that the, our generation had was much more severe than the ones these babies have. Oh, come right. On. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I agree. A thousand percent. You know, I, I would think it, it's, it's, it's comparable. Okay. Elijah's guy. I, I want to address Elijah because he has this, like men, this mentality. I smoked methamphetamine with my mother. Have you ever done drugs with me? No. So, so you, you know, and the, and the fact that your, your parents, you know, whatever the problems of nowadays, it's considered trauma. Jane, that Jane's addiction is named after, named after. If you listen to her childhood or Shelly Sprague's Iris, you know, these people's story. Yeah. yeah. I, I, in the last 25 years have never heard that kind of horrible trauma. I don't yeah. think. And these kids, kids run around. Into rehab. I know some of them, I know plenty of them, and they don't make it into rehab, but there's still kids going through the same things. Okay, but what do you think the difference is, Bob? Why is it why is it because there wasn't awareness then, like there is now? Well, let's just address the rehab thing. Most people that come from those types of, of traumatic backgrounds end up in rehab. Right? End up drug addicted and the whole system kind of feeds you into rehab. And and that's where I discovered that what had happened to me was unique or different than what, because when you're running around with all the people I'm running around and late at night and when you're coming down, you tell what your childhood was like to somebody. It's very similar to the, how, what your childhood was like, right? Anthony's dad, we did drugs with. Yeah. My mom, we did drugs with. You know, we were sexually... sexually different sort, though. Huh? It was escapism of a different sort, you know. I think you said it really, really well. When you, we, you know, you get loaded and go out and be who you thought you 
could be. You know, there was a lot of dress up and a lot of role play and a lot of escapism, and it was a blast. They yeah. don't, the, the, the kids don't, when I was up there, man, you could see, you could, there would be five different places having bands that you want to see. There was always somewhere to go and something to do. And we were a part of it. Uh, um, but it was all being created by traumatized, sexually abused, drug addicted, alcoholic, depressive people. But they were creating joy and community right. and fun. And that's not what this generation is doing. No, absolutely. And, and I don't understand why. What is the, you know, what is the... How did it change? I, I don't know. What is it that... It yeah, our society, our, our society but, certainly but, changed. I, I certainly didn't want what my parents had. I think nowadays it's closer to think, you know, Elijah's a prime millennial. I think he wants what his dad has. Right. I think we're a cooler generation than the generation that raised us. And so there's not as big a divide between my parents and me and me and Elijah. I think we like the same things. We share the same kind of goals. So it must be hard to rebel against something that's pretty much what you want or what you like or what well, you value. Does that also, make sense? I get that. But there's also, I would say, there's a huge, like the, the economy and the free market have a lot to do with it. There's no anti-mainstream underground or, or oppositional culture happening in America right now. Punk rock couldn't happen right now. You've said it before. Rap, right, it wouldn't rap when it, the way that rap, rap was when it started, it couldn't rap happen. when it, rap when it started was, and, and then it, then it got, then it, it got started giving. No, I mean, I, I think it, you know, I know when something blows up like NWA, you know, Run DMC, BC Boys, LL Cool J, that first generation of hip hop is they're just they're just making it up as they go, much like Black Flag was and Fugazi and 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 X and you're creating and, your culture look, in real you're time. Creating you're creating yeah. it in real time, reacting to how to get how to achieve your goals. But then by the time, so that's like you know. 81, 82, 83 is the, uh, the oncoming of hip hop. By the time it gets to 93, it's in, in punk rock, it's in Nirvana, one of the greatest punk rock bands that have ever lived. And they make the most popular record of all, one of them all of all time. Right. If but you look at 93, 93 in hip hop, it's like P. Diddy. You no, know what I mean? That's not. Later. It's that's coming. Not, right, it's coming, right, but it's not. Right, right. But well, I mean, I but get what you're that, saying. That, you you're that saying. stuff is is is, and it, to me, it's like I don't know what that version of I. It wasn't P Diddy that I saw. It was I remember the first time I saw it, and I was not sober, so it's before '96. I saw, you know, like a uh, rapper dressed in all white on a yacht with some big boobed, almost naked girls. And I, I was shocked. That sounds like right? like what is huh? Sounds like P. Diddy. I think it was. I think it was the other guy that screams a lot and has the raspy voice. DMX. Oh, oh, Little Wayne. No, before D DMX, way before there was another one. He's still around, kind of. I don't know, but you guys, you guys hit on an interesting point together. I think is that there is, there isn't a counterculture the counterculture is mainstream and is splintered into so many different things like there were punks and there were hippies 
there you know there was like either you were a and there was a black flag that were punk rock hippies <laughs> yeah but, but everyone was hanging out but but and it was you know. but it wasn't once once we get to 93 and once nirvana's a crossover <clears throat> you know it allowed it allowed a lot of things it allowed green day it allowed offspring it allowed a lot of a lot of things to cross over into the mainstream that weren't before right and yeah there but i'm saying there was the hip-hop it wasn't nwa and run dmc and and really stories of of the inner city lives crossing over it was some bullshit you know like white living people the, living the dream metal bullshit boats limousines right naked. yeah yeah it was that and, whole, it was the whole hair metal and it's uh, and it still so it is that that, that seems to be something that our culture really likes is wealthy people and wealth and diamonds and limousines like what is that about our culture because i can tell you everyone that i've mentioned tonight had no interest in that well that's i want to i have a point okay so when you're talking about black flag and everything we were doing even nirvana all that still had soul right okay it all had soul and then these guys get you know they want the money they want the cars they want the girls and even the music like everything because of the internet life has lost its soul we're not connected physically where we stop every minute to take a picture we were living when as opposed to living in the moment everything was real i'm telling you we went there's this last frontier of punk rock west of palm springs i advise everyone who's a daredevil and a freak and you know a lot of our friends have passed away that are like that they still have chucky ready for this an atv thing where you can rent an atv and go out in the desert and do whatever the fuck you want um for 50 bucks and they don't even train you and they let six-year-olds ride <laughs> uh, ride atv 90s and so me and they wouldn't let Idris. I was going to let Idris do it, uh, you oh know, maybe with God. me. <laughs> Mark the tape and cut that out. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 48, 30. <laughs> but they let, they let Sid do it. And Sid loved it. And she crashed. And oh, wow. you, can really, you can really get hurt right. because we're up like, you know, like no, a 50 foot the, sand dune. Those are one of the few things you can run yourself over with. Oh yeah, yeah. I almost did a couple of times, but I was taking pictures the whole time. And the guy, the there's a guy that kind of runs it. So it's a weird, cool thing. It's on one eleven, just be just before the ten freeway going towards Palm Springs, on the right hand side. Y'all got to go before it closes up because I'm sure somebody's going to get killed and they're going to get closed up. <laughs> but they let us. They let a seven year old little girl ride a ninety, <laughs> an ATV ninety. Like it yeah. goes 50 miles an hour and wow. she's like loving it. And she was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. Wait, and so I just, I'm not even going to ask about helmets. Did they make you wear a helmet? I yeah, wear about those cool biker ones that barely cover your head. <laughs> oh. Oh. Those, those don't cover your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're right in the getting run over. Cause when Sydney crashed in the beginning, I went to get off mine. I didn't take it out of gear and it kind of caught my leg under and kind of, well, it did help me get off of it. It helped me. It kind of pulled me up off. Launched so like, you off. <laughs> launched me off. It ran over my leg. But then I, I immediately grabbed the handlebars because I'm an old biker from the sixties and I kicked <laughs> it down in the neutral. <laughs> I've got many, 
many backgrounds. I was a, you know, because I grew up in the desert. We used to ride Husqvarna. That was the motorcycle that yeah. was so cool. I remember those. That's what cute. was this place called, Bob? This this place that you're just talking about? I don't. I don't know. It's Let's just like out. by the side of the road. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> it I'm, I'm gonna look it up. I think that'd be fun. I think Buck would really like that. And they had to be sign a release, and the only thing that you signed was your name on a on a list of a lot of names. Oh wow! You just sign the release. I was like, cool, whatever. Let's go. And it was so great. And you know, like if you made a wrong turn, you could really get hurt. But Sid did great, and and uh, but they wouldn't let I just go. And and he, you have to be. They have little toe-around behind carts that um, you have to be five years old to ride in. So Isaiah, baby Isaiah, and, and I just are going to have to wait a while. But it was so <laughs> fun. So I was taking millions of pictures, and I sent them to my mother-in-law, and I sent them to a few friends, and. And it was the same as posting it on Instagram is my point. There's this wanting to get rid of it, to send it. There's this compulsion to send things through your phone. But it's still a connection. You're connecting. It's a connection. Yeah. Yeah, but I I didn't get that picture. So, cool. I know where we stand. (laughs) Well, I thought Uh, you would disapprove, Chuck. I didn't send it to people I thought would approve. I just approve. I'm going to send it to you now so that you can really enjoy yourself. Dude, this is the greatest thing. Sid, I got videos of it, too. We're way up in the desert. Anyways, I, I loved it. And it's just like, you know, there's just not things like that. Can you imagine there's things still like that, Chuck? You can just get out of your car, walk up, sign a piece of paper. They put that helmet on you and give you a ATV and go ride in the desert. That sounds like, good. I, I want to go do that on the way to the next Pappy and Harriet show. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. It's so fun. But, but you know, in this age of like, don't stand here, don't stand there. That's when, uh, you know, I'm not a big stand. I've never been a stand where you're supposed to, Iris. I don't think you are either, but you're so charming. They never even tell you you can't stand there. <laughs> but I'm always being sure. told I can't stand there. So... Chrissy and I are on our like second date. I think we went to see Jesus and Mary Chain at the Glass House, and they told me I had to. I couldn't stand there. There was a line. It was a fire marshal line. I and I said I can't stand here, but I am standing here. Yeah. You're saying you, you need to use the right language. You don't want me to stand here, but I am standing here. <laughs> so saying I can't stand here, I'm already standing here. <laughs> second, time, second time she's ever been with me and she was like what the hell is wrong with this guy and then i said and i moved like three inches and i said can i stand here according to you uh, you, <laughs> you should have brought a copy of the movie and just said hey that's no, but there was no one around, Chuck. It was oh. just a Mary Chain. Nobody would want to see <laughs> them. <laughs> here's how, here's how, look at it, I'm going to show you. There's the autographed poster from the night. Nice. And they both signed it. They both signed it. Nice. Like, how many people do you think were crammed in there, Chuck, <laughs> if I waited long enough to get an autographed tour poster? You waited in a line? No, there was no line. They were just at the merch. They were at the merch tent. I I appreciate you buying merch from a band after you paid to get in. That is why bands get to exist. Thank you. Well, yeah. 
Yeah. And we, we did wait in line. Me and Sid did wait in line for a long time to get Craftworks autograph in San Diego, and it was worth it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're playing. Do you know what they're doing? Have you, Elijah, have you seen it? No. They're playing Disney music. Hall. They're playing Disney Hall. However many nights, eight nights, and they're doing an album a night. How Whoa. fucking cool is that? Yeah. Wait, yeah. who's this? Craftwork. Oh, we are the robots. Bing, bong, bing, bong. I, I saw them at Starwood. I saw them at the Star you saw them at the Starwood. Starwood? Yeah, Holy shit. yeah, yeah. I saw Peter Case's documentary, and there's a scene uh, where the Plimsolls are playing the Starwood, and Phil in it from Thin Lizzy comes out and sings no with them. Way. I was there. I was in the audience, and I was watching it by myself in the living room a couple nights ago. And I said out loud, "I was there." Like no somebody's way. gonna no way. No somebody, no way. There's no one in my house gonna be impressed by that. I think I was impressed by it that I was seven, text 17, 17, 18. Me. A big, we're a big thin And he died. He died shortly after that. The Plimsolls were so great live. Oh my uh, God. Oh, How's the documentary? Cool. I want to see it. It's, it it's really it's good, but it doesn't get into his personal life. Like I know, you know, since I did that documentary, I know I could have said I don't want to talk about my personal life and just talk about all the things, music and recovery, right. but I just thought. No, okay. let's let it all hang out. Let's let Pete Weiss talk all he wants about me. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> let's let Elijah. I didn't you know, even know who Pete was when I saw that, and he cracked me up. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and it, it's just like it, there's a sense that Peter didn't want to talk about his private life because his private life is interesting. Yeah, right. And I don't know. And, I know a little, just a little. That's what I want to hear if I'm seeing a documentary because I own, you know, if it's if they're one of my favorite bands, I've already got all the records. Right. I've already read the in sleeves. I already know who produced it, where they recorded it, what months they recorded it because I'm one of those geeks. <laughs> I go through the stuff. You know, I go through it and I, I check the liner notes to see if they got the words right. You know, well, you know, I, he was he was Mike's hero, and yep. I I can see that Mike modeled after him. Mike didn't want to talk about his personal life. Right. Mike, Mike didn't want to talk about being sick. Mike didn't want to talk about that. It was about songs. Really it was about recovery, you know, and that's fine. Everybody's got their right. Anthony's kind of like that. Doesn't want to talk about his personal life. Me and Fleer are different. We'll talk about anything. I'll talk Can about I have a question yeah. for you, Bob, about Mike. So Mike told you everything, right? No, you, he didn't. Oh. He he told he told Smog everything, kind of. Um somebody, I mean, he he only, he didn't know that he was gonna go so quick, right? No, I, that was a shock to all of us. Okay. Like he, he didn't, well, because the, Chuck, I mean, we saw him a lot. He didn't seem that sick. That's why I'm great. convinced I have liver cancer now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. It was, it was the same thing. really good. Both him and, and Bug were tooling around Ohana. And then yeah. and he was doing great. Mike was walking all over the place. He had a ton of energy. He was showing up at all these shows. At uh, our show. Our, our, our show at Last Bookstore. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and he was hanging out and not my. I saw him at Disneyland. I was at Disneyland with the kids and he was there with somebody. Uh, like, oh, wasn't he playing hooky or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was there with Laura Bennett. He was there with yeah, Laura yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, totally he just go it. to Disneyland. So, so, so. You know, you just like I know I know he knew it was bad getting taken off the donor list because it was hard to get on it. 
Right. So why'd they take him off? He never told me why. I said, why? And how, what do you got to, what do you got to do to get back on it? But something, the medicine wasn't affecting the tumor is what I, you know, cause I've got Dr. Drew that I can text like and ask questions. And the reason why you would get taken off the donor list is because it had metastasized or there was a possibility that it metastasized. Right. So, you know, I don't, I, and I, there's something about, you know, it's so strange. Like so many of my friends have had cancer now. Um, and all of them, but Mike lived like, I, you know, my father-in-law is 87 years old. He just had stage four cancer. He's, he's cancer free. Like cancer is, but liver cancer is a specific, you know, there's a ticking clock as to, as to how quickly you can, you got to rectify that well, situation. I but. heard that he, the rate, they gave him radiation and the radiation is what spread it. That's oh, maybe. Right. See, that's the same thing as you remember Gloria Scott, right? So yeah. the first diagnosis for Gloria was that she had a, a double pneumonia. And so they gave her anti liquid antibiotics in the hospital. And then she comes home for a month and then she gets way worse. And then we brought her back right after between Christmas and New Year's. And then they're like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. It's not pneumonia. It's lung cancer. Like, what, how the, what the fuck is wrong? That's how they are. Like, the medical is like, well, it's the same. It looks the same. That. Huh? There's a blood test to check for that. You know, the, the thing that gets me so pissed is that, you know, I know that if, I know that there are people in this world that when they they go in and they get those whole body scans right. where they right. get everything checked out, but that is so, it, it's been around, people have been doing that for 10, 15 years, and I've never been allowed a full body scan really? for preventative well, shit. Well, you're, like, you're <laughs> preaching. Chuck, remember in the beginning, seven years ago, when I would rail against a for-profit healthcare system, and you'd be like, Bob's kind of crazy, isn't he? We have a four, we have one of the That's only for-profit we have one of the only for-profit healthcare systems in the world. Sucks. Bad. It's ridiculous. It's you know, the, the, and and when the American public is going to wake up is going to be never, you know, the, the the rate we're going. Right. Like I I remember when when Obama was trying to get uh, what seemed like universal healthcare, but it turned out to just be a mess. But there were people in Yucca Valley where I lived in Joshua Tree standing on the corner every Saturday and Sunday with signs saying, don't take away my health care. It's like, you have some of the, look, hey, look at you. You're probably younger than me and you look twice as old as me. You know, the, the way that Americans eat and live is killing them. And then you have to go to a doctor and get all this medicine because of your lifestyle. And they, yeah. were, they were fighting against a better system of health care. And and it was just like right at old uh, yeah old Woman Springs Road and and Twenty Nine Palms Highway. They would always sit there and they always had those kind of weird folding chairs with the with the nylon. You know, yeah. and they'd sit in the folding chairs. They had their signs you, you with, the, yeah. with the soda holder. Dangerous. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the soda can size holder. And how dedicated were they to their healthcare? Their horrible, yeah. shitty twenty fifth in the world healthcare. But it's what you were what you were talking about is that we don't want to keep people from getting sick. We want them on prescriptions and we right. want them for the rest of their life yeah. to pay us. That's a drug dealer ethic. I want them to come back every day and give me. Well, it's a su subscription model. This friend of mine did a documentary about it 
it's a it's a subscription model. Remember, you know, why did Columbia House give us those eight tracks for ninety nine cents, Chuck? Because we were going to pay. Nine ninety nine for the rest of our lives. That's the same thing. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, it was easier to move than pay that thing off. <laughs> yeah, got all these drugs. I got to get rid of them. They actually made us tape a penny to a thing. They I did? know. Yeah, you could tape a penny and so send it in. So there was a legal and binding contract. To the card, right? Yeah, yeah, you had to tape. It I to was the I was doing all that stuff until I was sixteen and I learned how to drive. And there was a Kmart near my house. And, you know, if you remember, Kmart's had big record departments back yeah. then in the 70s. And it also had a garden department. Yeah. And in the garden department was a fencing that encased it. And right at the joint of the fence, it's kind of like a space about two inches wide. And so I would get a bunch of records I wanted, put them in a shopping cart, act like I'm shopping. Because I had the cool glasses with the screws in them, the brown kind of tinted. The, oh, the yeah. uh, what's his name used to wear? What's the guy that did that magazine? He used to wear Bruce Kalberg used to wear them. Oh, oh, you know, oh like, yeah, no mag, no mag. Yeah, yeah, those, yeah, yeah, those glasses. I had yeah. those, and I, I had my feathered hair, like, and I, you know, and I was d distinguishedly dressed for a sixteen-year-old. I, I was like a, not a Fred Perry guy, but I was close. I was, you know, I was. I looked like an adult. So I'd go shopping, I got paper towels, I got this, I got that. And then I'd go out to the garden department and look, and then I'd take the records and put them next to the wall. And then I'd slowly go back and put most of the things away. And then I'd go out the front and buy like $10 worth of stuff. Then I would sometimes <laughs> try to go by, but there'd be too many people by the fence. So I would come back later at night and grab them. And, <laughs> like I, and I'd get like eight or 10 records that way. So I never really had a trouble. I didn't need to do Columbia House anymore. Once yeah. I discovered the Kmart <laughs> system of record maneuvering. <laughs> that is an interesting way to say theft. But <laughs> <laughs> record, record record maneuvering. Can I tell you, can I tell really you guys what our what our hustle was when I was a kid? Yes. The you remember uh, when Barnes and Noble there's still a couple around, but Barnes and Noble yeah, have those multi floor yeah. ones. Yeah, and they always they always have the coffee shop up top with a balcony, like a smoking. They used to be able to smoke. On yes, yes, yeah. Still one at the at the Grove in LA, but all the doors are locked and there's nothing on the balcony anymore. Probably because people like me. you guys. So yeah. we would we would get a big pile of books, and there was always a planner straight down, and we'd just drop you know thirty books over the balcony into the bushes and come back wow. and get them all. <laughs> now they're all in a storage unit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chip <laughs> off the old block. There. That was see Chuck. Do you see how he maneuvered Proud. those books Proud. around? <laughs> no, the, Did it in like, cities all over the country. You know, Kmart was cool. I miss Kmart, Gemco, White Front. Those were cool. White Front. Just go hang out, and and there's so much to do. God, Kmart had engineers' boots. When nobody else did, you go get. Kmart a had Dickies. Yeah, they had all the yeah. shit that Kmart was great. Kmart, the Kmart near my house had a restaurant in it too. You could go, yeah. eat, you could go shop, you could go look at records. It was just like that. You know, now it's now it's uh, it's just different. Everything's a little different now. And I, instead of restaurants, they have Starbucks. These places. Oh yeah. Right. Right. Like my sister Starbucks. sent me the nicest thing. You know, I'm the least attentive to so many things. I don't know if you notice this. It's not ADHD. It's just a lack of caring. So Aww. my sister sent me, <laughs> my sister sent me 
a nice Christmas thing. And then I saw that it was the Starbucks card connected. And I was like, oh, oh cool. And um, But then it was hectic and I didn't pay attention. Then I had to load it into the Starbucks app. She sent a $100 Starbucks. That was so like nice of her. Five Because like a hundred dollars is a lot that's a lot you must know about doing those double shots yeah 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 double shots that they don't sell nice. them there but that was so nice of her i got now i got a text her to say thank you so much dana you've met my sister iris i think remember she lived with me in the early 90s she worked for um mark mark uh gash oh my god and anthony what? got her a job but he she could handle it because she's tough. You know, I said, he's going to be a pervert with you. So, you know, you got to kind of watch out for yourself. <laughs> as funny as that guy was, he pulled it off. I, I can't even say wow. his last name without blushing. That is <laughs> That is one of the few things I'm not comfortable saying. But he <laughs> Mark, Mark was a great artist and he loved the ladies. Let's put it that way. And he, he had a great spirit. He was at every show. Remember oh, every show, oh, and he would fight people. Chuck, yeah. before he got sober, this is a guy that's two and a half feet tall in a wheelchair. It's he would get in fist fights with yep. people. Yeah, like drunken, out of his mind fist fights. He was from Texas, and he just didn't take no shit from me. What, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? And he'd in a wheel over to somebody. Yeah, he'd wheel over to him and punch him right in the yep. stomach. Yep. <laughs> yeah. He was at he couldn't show. he couldn't reach their heads. <laughs> it's kind of hard to think about it. It's kind of hard to fight a guy in a wheelchair. Yeah, like, <laughs> you really can't. You can't. You know, you know what I'm talking about, Iris. I'm not making it up. No, it's Mark Gash would no. go after people and fight people in a wheelchair. That's he not didn't know. He did not know his size. He did not know he was small. He didn't know. He was at the Sex Pistols show in Texas, by the way. I got around. Got around. He was so punk rock. He and, was. Uh, and, and he, you know, I just loved him. Anyways, my sister worked for him for years when he lived off of Vermont. And the only, you know, somehow he had had a million personal assistants and none of them lasted more than a month. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder. Did you yeah. ever pose for Mark Iris? Yes, I know it all naked, too well. Naked, you did. There's naked. a painting of me and Violet. We weren't naked. We had we were covered. Let's just put it that way with Stefan. <laughs> and um and we were kind of <laughs> You know, kind of laying reclined, and it's he's the someone's got it. It hangs over their fireplace or something. He painted <laughs> he a naked picture of you over someone's fireplace. Think about but that. We're not totally naked. We're covered in the right places with chiffon. Most of his pictures were topless, for sure. I know. Well, maybe Violet was a little topless. I was <laughs> <laughs> a little. But he got handsy <laughs> while we were laying there, and I'm like, Violet, do you feel what I feel? Like we're we're like <laughs> we could have seen what was happening because it's you know, no one warned us, you know. He, he, he was like, a wild man. So sadly, sick. he got sober, and he tried to help me get sober a bunch of times, and we would have these long discussions about God because he was a big God guy, wow. and I would be like, Mark, how of you of all people, how can you believe in God? And he, he goes, I just do. But I'm alive. I shouldn't have been alive. No one's lived this long with my disease. That's true. And I was like, yeah, it makes sense. He he was a phlebotomite baby, I believe. Yeah. The yeah. the the hormone drug that, that and he was the longest living one. 
he was amazing guy amazing but he was a little uh, you know he would get canceled now for sure for right? sure he is canceled. Or maybe not. Maybe he can't be because because <laughs> he's who he is. I don't know. He would no. Maybe not. I don't know. So I used to drive him to meetings all the time, and he called me and said, "You don't have to pick me up on Friday." And I was like, "Why?" And he goes, "I'm I'm getting a hernia operation, but I'll be out and and I'll see you at Sunday at Third and Gardner." Um, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And he died on the operating table of a hernia surgery. How fucking crazy is that? That's not, it doesn't even, mm -mm, doesn't make doesn't sense. Even, it doesn't make sense. And that's how Mike, Mike said on Monday, did he not, Chuck? Let's podcast tonight. And yeah. on Thursday, I was told I better get there to see him because he might not live through the weekend. That's insane. Yeah. And that was and Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. And that's how precious life is. Like, you oh. know, every day, like. Iris, when you knew me in 1986, you think I'd be alive in 2023? There was no way you thought us. I would be. None of us were going to be alive in 2023. <laughs> you were. You're so charming. They always let charming people live. You and Anthony would live forever. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be you and Anthony left. You know, the people that surprised me are still alive. Keith, John Pokna. That's amazing that yeah. Keith is alive. Because Keith, Keith and I, Keith, John Doe, we had to get Keith out of the palace because he had punched someone and he was so drunk and so coked out and so crazy, crazy, punched me. And <laughs> like he he was like a he was like a little whirling dervish. And, oh, yeah. and uh and so oh, we get God. him in John Doe's car, and I'm sitting in the back seat, and Keith, you know, Keith being around John kind of calmed him down. He's talking about music, like, <laughs> you know, what you need to do, and like telling john that x sucked and what he needed to do <laughs> and, then, and then and then he started getting crazier and saying where are you guys taking me i want to go back there and, and <laughs> like so he tried to get out of the car going down vine and i grabbed him i was holding him from the back seat and john's like screamed this john doe authority shut the fuck up and sit there and like he stopped for a second like Oh my God, John Doe just yelled at me so fatherly. <laughs> like, there's a lot of fatherliness in John Doe. And it For came sure. out, the angry father came out at Keith. And Keith calmed down and we went to get Okie Dog and got French fries and eat. Keith ate a whole bag and kind of sobered <laughs> up. <laughs> but, but we used, because 99, I think it was 99 cents, they just put the grossest, greasiest, French fries, not even French fries. They're just like cut potatoes. The wedges. They were wedges. They wedges, and they'd shove them in a bag as ninety nine cents. And then me and Keith would just go to the ketchup thing and just fill it with ketchup down in the bag, and then just Remember eat the it. Star though at the counter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one was in that thing. My God. Every okay. man, every okay dog. Okay dog still alive. Okie yeah. dog. I lived at Gardner and Fountain, and Okie dog was at Santa Monica and Fountain. Right. I remember and that. I, I'm Santa Monica and Gardner, and I went there all the time. Only time I got a DUI, Michael Wilcox. I would I would be DUI free, having driven drunk every day from 1977 <laughs> to 1996, if it weren't for Michael Wilcox. Why? What happened? We were at a party at La Brea and Franklin. And right. the, you know how he could get when he was drunk. Like people are like, "You got to get him out of here." And yeah. I'm like, "I, I'm like, 
I, I'm not, I'm not really that close with him. I just gave, <laughs> he, I just gave him a ride here, but he's not going with me. And they're like, you came with him. You need to get him out of here. And so then yeah. I'm driving down and he can't, he's so drunk. He can't tell me where he lives. Right. So I'm driving around. He's saying, go here. And then he's kind of passing out my old, that old red dart, dart that I had that the push button dash and yeah. we're, didn't have brakes. He had to put pump them, you know? And so we finally, he's telling me I live down by Malrose. And, and so I go down garden from my house. Cause I wouldn't, I didn't want him to get into my house. Cause I thought he's going to fall asleep on the couch or something. So I kind of parked near my house trying to figure out what to do with him. And he's sleeping in my car and so then we're going down Gardner. He sees somebody he knows at Okie Dog, and we're at the stoplight. And he climbs up, sitting in his butt in the window, screaming, oh waving over to Okie Dog. And these cops are there, and they're like, "What the hell's going on?" And then I got a DUI, and they let him walk away, drunker oh. than shit. <laughs> Was this but the West Hollywood cops? This is West Hollywood, yeah. yeah and so I went to West Hollywood jail. The only great thing was I was in not in the same cell, but I was in the same arrest night as Ike Turner. He was in another <laughs> another another cell, and then he got bailed out. And all these guys were saying, "Tina got that man out. Tina still loved that man. <laughs> Tina got that. How'd that motherfucker get out? <laughs> Tina still loved that man." <laughs> I remember that. Just yeah. laying there, just like, oh, who's gonna get me out? There's no Tina loves me. Who <laughs> no. get you out? Who got you out? I don't know. I I I, I don't know. Probably Lori Patterson, maybe. I hope, maybe. May probably I think Lori Patterson or yeah. you know yeah, Iris Iris knows Chuck Iris Berry knows every girl I've ever gone out with. She knows every place I've ever lived. She <laughs> yeah. knows everything I've ever done. Do you remember standing why... in my driveway at Disgraceland and you're like going, she's bumming my life out in the Supreme <laughs> Court. Jones. Remember that? Kim yeah, Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chuck, you know what would happen to me a lot of times in my That's romantic in my romantic situation. So, so somehow I'd become acquainted with a gal. And then they would get to know me and not want anything to do with me. And I would see that as a rejection. <laughs> no kidding. This is a re I went through therapy. This is a repeated thing that went on and on several, several relationships, Chuck. Um, and the common denominator I came to realize was me and my behavior and my <laughs> selfishness and my choices. Right. See, do you know that some people have broken up with me? And I've never spoken to them again. I lived with them for five years, never spoken wow. to them again. Like wow. that's how much, uh, and I'm not a bad person. I'm not an abusive person. I'm just like a selfish person. I think. Are you painfully right? autonomous? What? what? You painfully autonomous. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. That could get to a woman, someone who's painfully like you're in a relationship with them, but they're painfully autonomous. It's like, they're not connecting with you. They're not bonding with you. And there's not a, there's not a, well, mostly it's, well, and I, and I, through the years it switched. I was the caretaker and then, and then I was the caretaken. And, you know, so I think that gets boring. You know, what is a musician without a girlfriend? 
You know, they say it's a drum. I don't like that joke when they steer it towards one musician, usually the drummer. I don't like it. What's a drummer without a girlfriend? No, what's a musician without a girlfriend? Homeless. And I would have been homeless many a time. The drummer joke is you have him set up first, and if he drools out of both sides of his mouth, the stage is even. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that. (laughs) Well, we had an old one because Louie Matthew, who's friends of Iris and Keith, he was the go-to person for the Chili Peppers for, I don't know, for 15 years. He was Thelonious Monster. For 20 years, he was just like, if you needed something done, you just call Louie, right? And so somebody came up with the joke, how many Chili Peppers does it take to to screw in a light bulb? And I don't know how many. Louie! That's a good one. It's good, yeah. It's true. I remember I was with Louis eating, and he said, "Come on, come on, Bobby, we gotta go." And I was like, "What?" And he goes, "I gotta pick something up for Fashante." And and I go, "What?" It was like after an aiming, so it's like ten o'clock at night. I go, "What? What do you gotta do?" And he go, "We had to go to Home Depot on Sunset in the freeway and get duct tape and bring it up to John's house." Why? <laughs> What he needed, he needed duct tape immediately. Because apparently. there's nothing you can't fix. <laughs> Emergency. Duct tape yeah, right. Yeah. If you can't fix it with a hammer, duct tape, and super glue, it's trash. I <laughs> told I told Sydney that she believes it. Duct tape, duct tape for everything. Yeah, I kind of am a fan of that too. Actually, there's new Gorilla Tape, even better than duct tape. Is that like is that in the same family as Gorilla Glue? Yeah, it's but it's beyond. Like, uh, but it's not flex seal. You can't make a boat out of screens with it. I couldn't <laughs> find that. So a window broke in Idris's bedroom. It's kind of long. Well, I broke it actually because uh-huh. I, was uh-huh. to, I was trying to. Well, it has a air conditioning in there in the taking summer. So, so I was taking it out and the window cracked and whatever. And I thought, oh, it's weirdly shaped window. And I went all over everywhere trying to get it a new window and I couldn't. So I just got plexiglass at Home Depot cut exactly. And then I gorilla taped it in. It works fine. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Look, she's got fireworks. Yeah. Do you guys do this? Do we all get fireworks? Yeah. It, it's, it, if you hold your fingers up enough, it does this. And then if you do this, if you do this, hold them down enough. What the heck is it that? It does this. Watch. Wait, hang on. That's Wait. so cool. Uh, <laughs> it's better. Okay, watch this. What is that? Well, it's raining. Whoa. <laughs> I just figured it out. I was talking to either Jack Grisham or Keith Morris, and I did that, and it just did that. And we're like, whoa, what the it's hell? It's an app on your Zoom? It just comes. It's like I upgraded my Zoom. I just, yeah, you know. Sometimes the- you get bubbles, Chuck, when we're like doing it. Like if you it. do this. Yeah, Chuck has a, something. A yeah, up yeah, yeah. I don't know if you do this. Yeah, this. Watch. Oh, that's a big K-pop thing. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I don't Wait, know how I- I know, and there's a few others. There's. Um, Do you pay extra for Zoom? You pay extra <laughs> yeah, Zoom? I. I, um, I this is enthralling audio. Yeah, is, yeah. yeah, nobody so knows Iris, what we're talking about. So on Iris's <laughs> Zoom, rain comes down, confetti comes down, fireworks go behind her. It's pretty amazing for you driving in the car right now from Long Beach to Beverly Hills in rush hour traffic. You probably didn't see that. That's what we were talking about those last few seconds it. there. It's, but, it's 
package after uh, if you pay for like you can get unlimited minutes instead of just 45 minutes the free one it's like this you know i pay for zoom because i have meetings you want to know something iris and you never thought i would get to this place in life i just have a bank account and i don't know what comes out of it it's just like <laughs> i know i know whatever's put in there always comes out of it but i have no idea how much i'm paying for <laughs> this self-leveling <laughs> bank account <laughs> when you see the amazon charges the amazon (laughs) charges on my when it comes there's a Uh, there's a thunder roll of them that come through a dollar nine nine five nine nine four nine nine eight nine 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 eleven nine nine and it's just like it's the way god works chuck it just like you put the money in there and then whatever you enjoy in life is coming to you and you just sign up for it you click on it and you just don't ask too many questions (laughs) I always got to make sure that the that the bills get paid, the rent gets sent out before it overdrafts or something I shouldn't have bought. No, this is the thing. <laughs> As you get older and you have a little bit more money, of overdraft for protection. I can I cannot put money in for forty eight hours and they don't care. Like when I was poor, they charged me thirty five dollars. Iris, why is that? Why okay, is that okay. that they're nicer to people that? Have money than people I that don't. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder why. Yeah. Wonder. Because we love rich people, Bob. We're I just told you I'm not rich, but a lot does come in and go out. I can tell you that. And they're and probably pretty. And Wells Fargo is probably pretty impressed with that. <laughs> I did. They, I am. I'm impressed. I said something but, that didn't go over very well at, at an AA meeting, my men's what? meeting the other day. Which was, uh, I was like, I have the cure. I figured it out. I have the cure for chronic relapsers. Bar none. Uh, What's that? You, yeah. You, you start a family and you have a kid. You're my age. <laughs> and you don't have money to fuck around or get in trouble with. It's just gone. Well, you don't have time, too. I mean, <laughs> that's that a story in my life. You take care of the kid. You don't have, you don't have, you don't have time, time. You don't have time, right? So, Iris, I have three kids now. And I a wife. And a mother-in-law. It. And... Uh, what else and and you know just like the comings and goings of life so weekends are laundry day right so i did five loads of laundry today it's all in like it's just like it's monday it's impossible well sunday i usually do it it started yesterday and then it evolved (laughs) into today but but it's just like insane how much clothes five people have in a week it's insane Right. I feel sorry for our washer. It yeah. just goes, 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 goes. I'm grateful for, for my washer. Two, two, two straight days it's been going. There's Don't stuff in the dryer right it. now. Don't overload it. Yeah, I overload it. It, it, pumps, it, two it pumps a lot. Instead of, so instead of one big one. Well, no, I have a theory about that, Chuck. Do you want to know? Yeah. I buy this shitty used one off Craigslist for 250 bucks. And I just run it into the ground. And when it breaks, I call the same people and say, come out, let's do it again. And so, <laughs> and sometimes they last for four years and some they last for two years. But no worry about it. Just fill it to the brim. Fill it very much to the brim. <laughs> Does anything get clean? <laughs> yeah. And they don't match. Nobody yeah. goes in there. It's a fucking laundry room. No, it doesn't have to match. People that have laundry rooms. <laughs> The doors shut on yeah. that no one else is going to see, and they still worry whether their washer and dryer match. You're a narcissist. You're a narcissist. <laughs> you're, you're a, you have OCD. You have OCD. 
just what does it matter? You get it cheaper does if it, it doesn't match. <laughs> doesn't matter. Are you we bought not? a used we bought a used washing machine that that matched our dryer just by shit luck like that. Oh my god, it that's would, never happened to me in a. Yeah, in, yeah. I bought since I got sober. I've probably bought. 15 washers. <laughs> the dryers do last longer. They last Maybe. like five, six Maybe years. That's because water isn't happening with them. <laughs> right? yeah, water, you know, rust, whatever. They get cleaner with the with when you put when not as full and still do an extra large load. They, everything gets cleaner, but whatever. But there's so much, Chuck. You got to put as much in there as you can. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle. But speaking of good dad, I'm just gonna say because that's also relapse prevention. Good Mike, who knew Mike was gonna be this super dad, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was the thing that it it was the thing that made him sober, like responsibility. And so, and we live in an era where people, you know, so many friends of mine, Keith, Dix, Pete, you know, didn't have kids. The ones that did had one, right? And and somehow, I don't know. I just think that there's something about chaos that I like. I like the chaos of, and and it doesn't have to be Steve O and Mike March shooting guns at Disgrace Line. It can just be like three on an people want, want three three different things. But and also, no, just like just like at six o'clock, I said, "Does everybody want pizza?" And there was. Three no's and one yes. And since I'm the one going to get it, we're getting pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you don't. Hey, that's not how yes. democracy They had the chance to give the right I answer, Chuck. They, they should have all. Yeah, they, had they had the opportunity to get it right and they fucked it up. 50 50 shot. Well, and you know what always wins, though? And I got to say this. If what? I say Mexican food, it's always five yeses. Why is Mexican food so? Why do people love it so much? I don't live know. In Mexico. I'm tired of it. Why? Because <laughs> we live in Mexico. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, so it's so damn good. Like it's so damn good, and it's right down the street. There's it's, two different great places right down the place, street. That place you had the other no, day was almost great. every time. Yeah, Elijah came to my house the other day. What did we have for dinner? Mexican food. You can't go wrong with it. No, not not in LA or wherever, LA County. Yeah, LA County. So, so anyways, Iris, I, I'm I'm happy you're alive. I'm happy Pleasant's alive. I'm sure we're all gonna eventually, you know, miss each other. But but for now, Mike's the one that's gone, and it's sad. I I've never been affected by a death so much. Same, same. He's the guy that should be here. He was always here. He's that guy. Do you think that deaths prepare you for our even more important deaths? Like, uh, um, cause I, you know, I, I know I'm going to go or Pete's going to go or Keith's going to go or Anthony's going to go or Felice's going to go. And I, it's just like, oh, gonna go. I, those are the ones like, but Mike was right there with us. Like, this is like heavy shit, heavy I shit. I bawled for days. I not only did I bawl for days. Chuck knows this. I was at Citibank and they were taking too long, and I told the whole place to go fuck themselves. <laughs> I've never ever done that ever. Fantasy to do that. I never did. It was like because I was grieving. You know this thing. I was so angry about Mike. I'm still. I'm still dumbfounded by it. Like. That's why and, 
Sunday's going to be an odd day because I think that the collective grief, like I have a little bit of fear because I think there's parts of it that, and I didn't have them for 40 years like you did. But you had them every day. But, but we, but yeah. we and it, it, it was a, it was a very intimate relationship because it wasn't set on the scene of something else. It was, it was way more personal and our, our interactions were very intimate in that. And very, I mean, that's why when, when Bugs started having his thing with his lupus, especially, it, there was no strangeness talking about very personal things. Right. Um, what I, I think that the people that, that listen to this, um, and just so we know, what are, what are we, what is happening on Sunday? What is the... Okay. What is well, this? the idea was, there's two goals to me. One is to appreciate, to me, to appreciate Mike's music because he never got the respect or the celebration because he, he didn't greatest, want it. He was one of the huh? greatest songwriters of our time. He I'm is one of the greatest it. songwriters of I our time. I think he's better than Bob Dylan, period. I do. And in that, in the 80s, there was nobody that wrote better songs than Mike. And, and, and somehow that got forgotten. Uh, and, you know, because he had children, he couldn't go out and tour like Peter Case and, and, you know, do the, do what he could have done. He kind of stayed home and his life changed and whatever. But, you know, the reverence for his music to, to know how great he was. And I got to say, because the last 10, 15 years when he would play, he never rehearsed and he didn't really take it serious. And it was really hard to play with him and frustrating. Cause I, I got it together. Chucky, did you go to that McCabe thing? I got him to yeah. be serious. Yeah. I got him to be serious for that. And that took a really difficult conversation. I said, you know what, Mike, I don't have to have you do this. If you're not going to take it serious, if you're not going to fucking really rehearse and be good, then don't, don't, let's not do it. And he's, he's like, no, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll, I'm going to do it. And shocked? so he took it really serious. No, a lot of people said that to him. He just didn't take things serious anymore. Wow. Right? right. And, and, you know, that, that was the, a thing that I don't know how to break through. So anyways, it's appreciation of him as a musician to me. That's what, and for his girls to hear how much reverence the music community has for him. Right. Because it's not something that comes up in daily life. You don't say to the girls, Hey, do you know your dad was one of the greatest songwriters that I have ever known that ever lived? You well, know, you I know don't what, think you, but, you uh, just don't say that in everyday life. <laughs> you know what Devin was telling me when, you know, people were coming by to say goodbye, like that, you know, that movie, Big Fish, you yeah. know, the movie Big Fish, like the dad goes out and he's got all these tales and they don't really believe him until the funeral where they all show up. Yeah. He looked at, at Devin because all these people are showing up, the, the people that they'd only heard about. And she looks at her mom and goes, mom, this is like Big Fish. Like these are all wow, the how cool. dad's life. Like they just heard the stories. They didn't know, you know, that it was true. Right. And that, that was a, you know, everybody's got their ways of living and, and some are, you know, frustrating decisions people make. And I think that, you know, when I, when two, two things, when I got sober and he in the low and sweet fell apart, I said, let's, you and me just go out together and just make, 
you know, we'll just do me and you. And we tried, we tried it for a while. It's just too difficult. He had become a really good musician and I don't like really good musicians. So that was a difficult, <laughs> was difficult. I remember you just going, never, just, and just I, strum and, the fucking guitar. But that there, it just didn't work anymore. Like it did in the eighties. Like it just didn't work. Yeah, And then there's and, that. There's that. Yeah. And, and that kind of led me to like, I want to play music. I just don't know who. And then Klinghoffer came along and, and that, that was the person that I wanted Mike to be really like, I thought me and Mike can, I didn't want to have a rock band. I just wanted to have some sort of musical thing that you could write songs and play and keep overhead low and kind of like what Sean and Xander did. I wanted me and Mike to do that. I get it. and I got to say, me and Mike would have been better than that. I, I just, <laughs> that was pretty good. You guys would have been amazing. You would have been amazing. Even though I like Sean, I like I like Sean. I like Xander. I love but them. I love I, them. You know, me and Mike had a special magic. I just I, knew. I just knew what he was. It just was a. It was a magical communication that I've I had never magic. had with anybody yeah. else. And. <laughs> You know the songs that we wrote together. I forgot that he wrote Lena Horne too, Elijah. Oh, like that's such a like, great that's a song. fucking great. And he just said oh. he was playing it, and I said, "How? What would you?" It's one of the only times I ever asked a musician, "What would you sing to that?" And he sang the melody. You know, that's the melody. I remember he was playing that riff, and he just sang that melody. And so then I said, "They tore down ships just like they tore down tiny nailers." Because they had just oh. thrown down Tiny Nailers that week. Right, right. It was the most traumatizing experience to me. I yep. ate there every day. Yeah. No, <laughs> you're right. taking my restaurant yeah. away, these motherfuckers. <laughs> now it's, and here's the thing. They didn't replace it with something great. It got replaced with an El Pollo Loco and a Wendy's. Crap. The yeah. fuck is that? <laughs> it was the coolest looking building, the best food. It was a, and it, it was affordable. It was breakfast and dinner. You get a chicken, fried chicken dinner for like five seventy nine. It was walkable from my house, and they tore it down. So that was the first line that came out when Mike said, "Sounds just like it." Yeah, it does. It was, and so so we're celebrating his music, and then we're also celebrating his helping. People get sober. He, yeah. had a tr- he had a tremendous way, you know, like we all got voices and we're trying to lead the way or be open to helping people. But Mike had a way uh, where he helped people. Like Smitty says, he'll be dead if it wasn't for Mike. Mike had a way of talking to people and not making it seem like a bunch of rules and regs. Right. I was like that in the beginning. Then I became the rehab guy. And then it's kind of rules and regs and, and Mike had Mike profoundly affected hundreds and hundreds of people's he lives in so sobriety. Oh, he helped so many. And I mean, people are still coming at me going, Oh my God, he helped me, you know. I mean, Eddie Avalos, he says to say hi to you guys. I mean, he's yeah. Edmund. Mike, we're really close, you know. He helped he talks about how Mike helped him. I mean, he helped so many people. Right. And it, it was in all facets of his thing. The people that I run into that uh, have been working stages for their lives or doing sound. And they remember the times that Mike, the same guy who didn't share his feelings was the same way on the job. He was extremely helpful. 
caring and supportive, but gruff. Right. You know? And because of that, you know, like the same way the guide said, you came with your friend, you take your friend home, holding people, <laughs> but still, you know, there aren't enough people like that in the world. Cause that's how people learn is like, you know what, man, I'm going to show you how to do it, but I need you to do it. And I don't know how many, it, it's crazy how many people that weren't, weren't talking to me before, but all of a sudden, since there's this Mike Mark connection, they want to tell me because they feel the need to express the gratitude. Well, there's two things about his sobriety that were unique. One is he only went to one meeting a week. That's that amazing. was still never that was, sober that, like that. That was yeah, that was cool. <laughs> that and he and he was philosophical, and he would always say, "I ah, don't worry about it. Yeah. You just stay sober. Yeah. Who worry? Don't worry about it." And no. that reassurance from a guy who got sober long before anybody else that's telling me what to do, right? Says, "Don't worry about it." And he right. only goes to one meeting a week, and he's staying sober. And then you kind of gravitate towards that. I mean, and I had an interesting experience. So he's sober. I get sober. He tells me he only goes to one meeting a week. I was like, are you sure that's good? <laughs> <laughs> you were going yeah, to like three too, a day. Too, too many of them <laughs> fucked me up. That's what he said. <laughs> too many of them <laughs> fucked me up. <laughs> you know what? That's true. It does some people. Well, I mean, my <laughs> definition of that AA is a lifeboat and not a houseboat. Yeah. I, yeah. But, how, but that yeah. was a great thing. Too many of them fucked me up. <laughs> I'm gonna love it. That. <laughs> he was, but I get simple. that he was simple and complicated, and he was yeah. the, one of the most important people in my life that I've ever known. And I can't, I'm, I just can't. It's not like I'm sad. I just like it's made life awfully real, awfully quickly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, uh, I. I the same way I haven't erased the last texts, the last string of texts that were just me and him. Um, I, I checked his Facebook and it said that Sophie is, I just went to it. I don't know why, you know, but I just went to it just to see, look at some things and see where he was and what he'd been doing. And I saw that Sophie is, uh, is running his page now. And yeah. that, that, I don't know why that fucked me up because maybe thinking that maybe somewhere, you know, I, I don't know. It's, right, it's, right, it was, right. It was similar to when my when my brother died, even though that was twenty four years ago. Um, where I just just looking for that that weird thing for him to pop out of somewhere and go, just kidding, kidding, yeah, you know, yeah, but, no, yeah, or something. But but I'll tell you what, like I don't know if I'm just a freak or what, but yeah, I was I was more profoundly affected by Joe Strummer's death and mike's death than my sister's death than my mom's death my dad's death was profoundly i'm still dealing with it to this day and it happened when i was 15 years old but but like there's just people in your life that like without them you know gloria scott's death was like yeah. that was devastating yeah. um and so a lot of times people say we always obligate that a familial deaths are the important deaths in our life. That hasn't been my experience. My experience has been my hero's death, my friend's death, my sponsor's death, much more profound than my family familial deaths. I don't know if that's freaky or if other, I think I'm just brave enough to say it. Like, no, I just think, every, right. you know what I mean? There are people that are like signposts for us where it's just like, I know, 
everything. And my, a friend of mine passed six years ago who was kind of my Mike Mart. We, we did music since we were 12 years old together. And he ended up uh, overdosing, and uh, it was it was a big it was a big bummer. And even when he was fucking up, or even when I wouldn't see him for years, just knowing that he's on the planet, and that when he'd show back up, we'd pick up right where we left off. Right. And it was just always good to know that Eric was there, you know. And when he passed, it wasn't a big thing for a while, but then it was because it's one of those things that's always been there. Right. Maybe like your tiny nailers, maybe like you know, there are things that we just kind of count on. And they're there, and and also the the what you come what you become together, the alchemy that you you create together of who yeah. you become with them goes with them. You don't get to be that yeah, person. You don't get that jokes, all that stuff. The person you become, okay. the alchemy. I always say it's the alchemy of us. It's just like you're not going to get that same thing with somebody else. And some relationships are just magic. And Mike yeah, was that that's what a lot of us. That's what that's what makes them what they are and uh, unfortunately i don't appreciate it until it's not there yes as i should you know it's the same thing it's it's so fucked that five years ago there wasn't a hey let's celebrate the music of mike mark and force him to go trick him into getting there because he i try i tried to do it but he would surprise party him but (laughs) but um but let me tell you this there's everybody thinks it's like especially aa i hear it quoted may you live in interesting times is like something that that westerners think is a blessing right so it may it's actually a curse in china it comes from china china a thousand years ago may you live in interesting times is a curse like it's awful to live in interesting times right and but i just changed it to may you live amongst interesting people i like and mike marr was a very interesting person yeah and and we're gonna celebrate his music and his sobriety and his children and and cry and laugh and get irritated by people talking too long who don't know how to tell stories. And oh, we're gonna have a nice day. I want, can I bring a giant hook? Remember that you have hooks? Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the Apollo hook. Bring the Apollo hook, please. Yeah, I want to reinstate I know Mike, the hook, and I would like to be no, the hook guy. Mike was a sound man. I know exactly what he would do. Just I'll just turn him off. I'll be there i really do i just, yeah, i i know that sounds hokey but i think his spirit will be there i do yeah, he so. used to get into it with bands he didn't like he would just turn the pa off <laughs> dude yeah. uh, mark d piazza Oh yeah, yeah. He was he was one of the guys that was over at his sister's house when I got back from vacation and went over to see him when he was in hospice, and uh, and he goes, "Fucking Mike," he goes, "He he smokes cigars inside the place," and he goes, "And it's a restaurant," and he goes, <laughs> and "I fire him. I fired him a dozen times or more, and then hire him back two days later, and I'd say, okay, no yeah. smoking cigars, but Mike would do it." in a restaurant where they're trying to sell food. And this wasn't the, the smoking was illegal inside the places. But that's just like the kind of thing. That's not even my story to tell, but it kind of fit with just like, fuck it. I'll just get another job down the street. All right, you guys. All right, guys. Good night, Iris. I love you. Hi. Great to talk to you. Say hi to Keith. Say hi to everybody. I will. If you see her. Um, Thank you for having you know, me, guys. And we'll see you on Sunday. I'll see you then. Love you guys. Love you. Good night. Great to see you. Good to see you. Bye. 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 Bye.
All right.